you've got your Bibles with you today, or if you have uh, an electronic device that you use to access the Bible, or if you want to use one of those Bibles there in the pews, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the Bibles in the pew, that's page 1029 again. We're making our way through Revelation 2 and 3. We're now into chapter 3, looking at the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And today we find ourselves in the city of Sardis. Sardis was a very old city. It was a very, at one time, a very powerful city. It was a military city. In fact, Sardis was known throughout the, the ancient world for one thing. It was the best defended city in the world. There was a saying in the, in the old world, if you wanted to do something and it was impossible to do, if you were going to try something impossible, if you were going to try something that was just beyond difficult, people would say, well, that's like trying to capture the Acropolis in Sardis. If something was difficult, they would say, that's like trying to capture the Acropolis in Sardis. It was impossible to do. Today we would say that's like trying to nail jello to the wall, right? Or that's like trying to herd cats, right? Or as my friend James says, that's like trying to fix stupid. It can't be done. And, uh, and so that, that was the saying. It's like trying to capture the Acropolis in Sardis. Now, an Acropolis, that may be a word you're not familiar with. The Acropolis was the upper city. A city would have an Acropolis. It was the upper city. It was the highest point in the city, the most easily defended point in the city. And the Acropolis of Sardis rose above the valley below 800 feet high. It was this tall hill with high walls and only one way up, a very narrow passage that would go that, that took you up to that part. And so to capture the Acropolis and Sardis was impossible. It could not be done. Except for when it was. In 546 B.C., Cyrus the Persian went to war against Croatia, who was the, 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 the uh, general of the army of Sardis. Cyrus the Persian went to war against the army of Sardis, and Croatius pulled the army back into the Acropolis. Everybody went into the Acropolis. They shut the gates. They barred the gates. They packed the people in there in Sardis. They packed them like sardines. In Sardis. That's where we get that. Not really. Anyway, so they go into Sardis. They all pack themselves into Sardis to wait out the siege. And for 14 days, they hid in the Acropolis. And on day 14... Cyrus noticed there were no men guarding the wall. And so he sent some of his men up that one narrow little passage and they climbed up to the top and they climbed over the wall and they found all of the guards asleep. And so they opened the gates and they let their own army in and they took over the city. They took over Sardis. That was humiliating. I mean, everyone knew that your city was the most defended city, that it was impossible to take the Acropolis. And, and they were humiliated. And boy, they were never going to let that mistake happen again. Except they did. 330 years later, Antiochus III comes against Sardis. And again, the army of Sardis pulled back within the walls. They shut the gates to wait out the siege. 
And Antiochus noticed after a few days, no one was guarding the wall. And again, one night, he sends his men up that narrow passage. They climb the wall. They find everyone asleep. They opened the gate. They let the army in and they took over and they captured the Acropolis. So look at the text. Look at what Jesus says to the church in Sardis. Look at what He says in verse 2. He begins verse 2 by saying, wake up! This letter reminds us that what's on the outside can be very deceptive. We can look strong. We can look faithful. We can look very well provided for and very well defended. We can look like Christians. We can look like a church. We can can look like that on the outside, but on the inside, something might be very wrong. Something might even be dead. And so this letter is a call to authenticity, to make sure that what's on the inside matches what's on the outside. Read along with me here. Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. To the angel of the church of Sardis writes, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come against you. Yet you still you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear. What does this letter call us to hear? I think it begins with a question that we have to ask ourselves. And the question is this, does what's on the inside match what's on the outside? Does what's on the inside match what's on the outside? This is the question of authenticity. Is something really real? Now, I've got a great way to illustrate this for you this morning. Let me just ask, does anyone have a banana with them this morning? Hannah? Hannah has a banana. I can't believe it. You know, what are the odds that someone would have a banana? Hannah, may, come here. Let me, let me see your banana. Hannah, Hannah has brought a banana with us this morning. Now, now this, is, this looks like a real banana, right? As far as you know, this is a real banana. Now, I don't, Hannah, have we ever worked together before? No, I didn't think so. Never met, we've never met before today. All right, great. So this looks like a real banana, but, but you know, all you can see is the skin, right? You can't actually see what's on the inside. Can you say with 100% certainty that on the inside of this banana skin is a banana? You know that for sure. Do you? Well, it's a banana, right? What if I told you that this is not a banana? This is actually a banapple. And inside this banana skin, inside the skin of this banana, there is an apple. Could you, could you believe that? I mean, they can do all kinds of stuff now. I've I've seen you know all kinds of weird things. This could be a banana. Hannah, would you 
Would you please open the banana skin and reveal what's on the inside? You got a drum roll or anything? No? Okay. Yep. Well, it looks like a banana. Are you absolutely certain it's a banana? Is it banana? It is banana. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Thank you, Hannah. Bananas have integrity. Bananas are authentic. What's on the inside matches what's on the outside. If we see banana skin on the outside, we will have banana fruit on the inside. But guess what? People are not bananas, are they? People are not bananas. And what's on the outside does not always match what's on the inside. Sometimes what we see on the outside is very different from the inside, isn't it? That's what Jesus confronts in Sardis. He says there in verse 1, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You know, at one time, Sardis was a royal city. It was a powerful city at one time. But those days were long gone. It was, it was a strong city, but those days were long gone. However, they were still living off their past fame. They were living off those glory days. And apparently, the church in Sardis was doing the same thing. The reality is, they were dead. And Jesus had noticed that they were dead. He says, you have the reputation of being alive. It's interesting. The word there that we translate reputation, it's the word name. He says, you have the name of being alive. In the ancient world, your character was tied up with your name. Your name was your reputation, which is why when Jesus encounters Simon, He says, no longer will you be called Simon. You will be called Peter because you are going to be the rock. When Paul, when Saul of Tarsus encounters Jesus, he changes his name to Paul. Your name was your reputation. And what Jesus is saying to the church in Sardis and to those who have an ear to hear, your name does not match who you are. There is no authenticity. Sometimes people say things about us. Sometimes people say things about us that give us a bad name, don't they? They'll say things and they'll do things that give us a bad reputation or a bad name, and that's, that's difficult. Other times, people try to give themselves a good name. They'll try to pass themselves off as being better than they really are, and they'll try to give themselves a good reputation, a good name. But sooner or later, eventually, what we find is that what's on the inside comes out. <laughs> The banana gets peeled and we find out exactly what's really on the inside. And that's what Jesus is looking at and looking for here in Sardis. That we match what's on the inside with what's on the outside. For Sardis and for those of us who have ears to hear. Does what's on the inside match what's on the outside? It's one thing to ask ourselves that question. What happens when we ask that question of the church? What does an authentic church look like inside these walls inside this fellowship these relationships that are here what makes us an authentic church that's what jesus is looking for in sardis and what he's looking for in us and what he wants us to do is take a close look at ourselves and our church and ask the question who are we who are we right here 
and right now. There are a lot of commands in this little letter, and they start in verse 2. In verse 2, he says, Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Now, now there is some good news here. That's some tough words, but there's, there's some good news. Not everything in the church is dead. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. The, the call is serious. This church is terminal. Someone has signed a DNR on this church. But Jesus has said, get the paddles. Get the paddles and, and revive it, resuscitate it, bring it back to life. That's what He was telling this church. At one, and what it tells us is at one time, this church in Sardis, at one time it was alive. Things were happening. One thing I've, in, I've learned about churches, one, thing, one very important thing that I've learned about churches is this. The greatest threat to the future success of a church is its past success. Let me say that again. The greatest threat to moving forward and to the future success of a church is its past success. You hear what that says? Sometimes we don't move forward and do new things because we're addicted to the way we used to do them. We're addicted to the things we used to do. And remember, do you remember when? Do you remember when things used to be so good? Do you remember when things were really happening? Do you remember when? Do you remember when we were growing? Do you remember when we were alive? Do you remember when, do you remember when we used to have wonderful times of worship? Do you remember when we had a good preacher? Do you remember those days? That kind of talk is what kills the church of today and prevents us from being the church we need to be tomorrow. It prevents us from being faithful today. We can't worship the past. All we can do is wake up and live today. Now, the other side of that is sometimes, sometimes it's not the past that we're enamored with. Sometimes it's not the past that we worship. Sometimes it's the future. And, and I've heard, and, and I've got to confess, I've been guilty of thinking these things from time to time where you stop and you think, well, we can't do that. We're not a big enough church. We can't do that. We're, we're not a big church. We can't do the generous buckets. Come on. About a hundred of us show up every week. How much good can we do with generous buckets if we're just giving a hundred dollars a week? We, we can't do that. We're not big enough. We can't reach all the kids in our community. We're not big enough. We don't have enough people to volunteer and help to, to reach out and reach all the kids in our community. We can't do that. Jesus calls us to faithfulness today. He doesn't call us to be faithful in the future. When we're bigger, when things are better, then we'll be faithful. He calls us to be faithful to who we are and where we are right now. So who is the church He's calling us to be right here and right now? We need to be that church. Sardis wasn't completely hopeless. We aren't completely hopeless either. Look at the encouragement in verse 4. In verse 4, he says, yet, I still, yet you still have a few names in Sardis. Remember, names, it means reputation. You still have a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Thinking about that with our babies here uh, this morning. You still have a few that have not soiled their garments, he says. Yeah, you know, Sardis, the big industry in Sardis was uh, purple cloth. 
they would, they would take cloth and they had this dye that they made in Sardis and it was very unique and it was very beautiful and, and it you know, was worth a lot of money. And so they would bring in cloth and they would dye it purple and with that dye they could cover up any imperfections in the cloth and you know, they, could, they could make it look beautiful. And, and, and that was their big claim to fame. The, the purple dye of Sardis was, was amazing. Jesus says you, you think that what you have is something regal. You think that what you have is, is something uh, expensive and beautiful, that you've dyed your cloth or your clothes, but, but he says it's, it's not dye. He says you've soiled your clothes. And he's not talking about mud, okay? He's not saying you went out and you played in your good clothes and you got a muddy. He means you've soiled your clothes. <laughs> You've messed yourselves, and you're trying to pass it off as something regal and wealthy, but the smell gives you away. But he says, but there are those in Sardis who have nothing to hide, who have nothing to cover up. Their reputations, their names speak for themselves because they walk authentically with me. They accept white garments from me. That's what I give them. I give them my purity. I give them my heart. This letter shows us that Jesus seeks authenticity in His church. And what we see is that authenticity is being faithful to who Jesus calls us to be today. That's authenticity. Being the church that Jesus calls us to be today. Are we who we say we are? Does what's on the inside match what's on the outside? That's the question of authenticity. And we can apply that to ourselves as individual Christians, but we also need to apply it to ourselves as the church, as the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, Paul says that the church is the body of Christ and that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Do we follow the head? Does what's on the inside match what's on the outside? Does Christ truly guide us? Or do we let other things guide us? That's a tough question. We've got to take a hard look at that. Too, too often, we make decisions not based on Jesus, but we make decisions based on our preferences. What we like, what we don't like. Really, it's, it's our prejudices, it's our traditions. And we feel perfectly justified in that, but we, we need to take a close look. Is Christ really the head? Are we doing what He would do? You know, there's a reason we keep going back to that first letter to the church in Ephesus. Do you remember what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus? I have this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. If love is not the guiding principle of our church, we've, we're not following Christ. If love is not the guiding principle of our church, we're not following Christ. We are not authentic. The commands continue here. Verse 3, he says, Remember then, what you received and heard, keep it and repent. Remember. What did we first know about Jesus? What was the first thing you knew about Jesus? I knew Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. What was the first thing you knew about Jesus? He forgave us. He forgave us our sins. He gave His life for us. And He calls us to worship Him and to, to serve Him. Are those things remembered here and are they demonstrated in our church or do we have a different set of standards we can't have a different set of standards he says remember 
And then he says, keep it and repent. Repent means change your mind. Turn around and change your mind. We can't replace the love of Christ. We, we can't replace Jesus. We can't take Jesus out. You know, we got Jesus on the outside maybe. We can't take what is on the inside out and put stuffing in us like Butchie over there. We can't fill ourselves with stuffing and expect to be alive. It doesn't work that way. We're, we wouldn't be alive. To, to be alive, we have to be filled with Christ. There is no substitute. That's why the call is to repent, to wake up. Who has Jesus called us to be today? Who has He called us to be right here and right now? Sometimes we get discouraged because of the past. We think, you know, things, things were better in the past. We're, we're not what we used to be. Sometimes we get discouraged about the future. And we think, you know, I, I wish we were bigger. I, I wish there was more happening here. I wish we could do more. But the reality is, Jesus, us to meet, Jesus promises to meet us here and now. Right here in the present. And we should be energized because of who He is calling us to be today. Not discouraged because of who we used to be. Or, or not discouraged because of who we want to be in the future. We need to be energized because of who He's called us to be today. Do you remember in Exodus? Back in Exodus, Moses encounters the burning bush, right? And he, he hears the voice of God from the burning bush. God speaks to him. And how does God identify Himself to Moses? He says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. I am the God of your forefathers. And then God calls Moses and He says, I want you to lead My people out of Egypt and into a land of their own. You're going to take My people out of Egypt. Moses knew the stories about Abraham and Isaac. He, he knew all those stories. He, he knew that, that God was powerful and did wonderful things back then. He knew that if he trusted God, God would do something wonderful in the future and take them into someplace special. But who did God call Himself? When Moses said, who will I say is sending me? And who, am I, who will I say is going before us? What was the name God chose for Himself? You tell them, I am sends you. Not I used to be. Not I will be once you're big enough. I am. Right here, right now in this moment. We can't worship the God who was. Okay? We can't worship the God who was in the past. We can't worship the God who will be in the future if we're lucky and if we do all the right things. We're called to worship. We're called to follow the great I Am. And that's the promise of God. I am with you. I am there. That's the God we worship. That's who we follow right here, right now. Jesus is with us. The Jesus of today, the Jesus of this moment. We need to be faithful to Him right now because He is faithful to us right now. Wake up! Jesus says it twice. It's been fun saying it to you repeatedly today and watching you jump. Wake up! He says. Condition is serious, but it's not hopeless. There is still a promise here. There is a promise for the one who conquers. He says in verse 5, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name 
before my Father and before His angels. One thing that was unique about the city of Sardis was Sardis was the citizen registry of the Persian and Seleucian empires. All the members of the Persian Empire and the Seleucian Empire, they had their names recorded in big books in Sardis. That was the job. Sardis kind of kept the census records for those empires. They kept the records. Every citizen was named in Sardis. However, if you died, your name was blotted out of the records. Your name was removed. And if you committed treason, if you claimed to be one thing, but you really were something else, if you committed treason against the empire, your name was blotted out. And remember, your name was your reputation. So with your name, your reputation was gone. Your identity was gone. You were a non-person. What does Jesus say? He says, I will never blot your name out of the book of life. Not only that, but He says, I will confess your name. I will confess your reputation. Who you really are before My Father and before His angels. To do that, Jesus needs to know who we really are as individuals and as a church. We need to be authentic in our faith, authentic in our love, and authentic in who Jesus calls us to be today. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, Your Word tells us that You search the heart and the mind. You know the times when we've lacked authenticity. You know the times when we've not truly been who we say we are. And so, Father, wake us up. Shake us out of our sleep. You're not a God of the past calling us to be who we used to be. You're not the God of the future telling us we're not good enough or big enough or strong enough yet. You are the great I Am. You are present. You are here and You are now. And for us to be faithful to who You are, we have to be present in this moment with You. Help us to be the church of this moment. The church that our community needs today to lift up Christ and to shine His light today. And we thank You for the promises You give us. Even though we've soiled, we've stained ourselves, You clothe us in the purity of Your Son. and something we can never achieve on our own. You, you give us Your Son's purity. And in that we find hope. We find forgiveness. We find peace. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.